Welcome to another episode of This Is My Generation, a podcast full of information for parents in the early years of homeschooling who are seeking clarity and encouragement to get through the uncertainty of homeschooling and build a thriving education for their family. I'm Dr. Melanie Bisson, the founder and owner of Generation, a company transforming education for the six plus million parents now paving their own educational path for their kids, the next generation. We do this through our group coaching program, Harvest, where parents sow seeds of clarity in their vision and goals, reap the fruits that come from being aligned in your approach and programs, stay rooted in empowerment and thrive together in community. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore This Is My Generation. morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are. Um, I am currently recording this for the first time, not in my office, and I'm actually in my car, believe it or not, which I'm sure you can't believe that if we're all (laughs) homeschooling parents doing all of the things. Um, But I am looking at a wonderful view of the Indian River uh, from where I am in Melbourne, Palm Bay, Florida. So the sun is rising. It's like 10 after 8. Well, it's already risen, but it's continuing to rise. It's no longer in my face. And um, I've got a babysitter for the boys. This is my Friday morning, like four-hour work chunk. And I normally do my podcasts Thursday night, but I was busy last night with some things at the church. And it was just one of those days. And I was like, you know what, like the beautiful thing about homeschooling and working this business and teaching and just doing all the other things is that like, I'm not locked down to a certain schedule. And there was such, there were so many good little like tangible nuggets of helpfulness in some of those revelations um, that I'm sure I'll share later, but it was like, oh, duh. Like I have a small, tiny little microphone that helps take out the background noise. And even if I'm sitting in my car, like there isn't really any background noise and like, why not just go park at the little castaway park? It's like basically a cul-de-sac with like a little pier. And there's usually like a couple people just eating breakfast or doing work or something. And so if I see a dolphin and I go, Ooh, that's, that's what I'm doing. So hopefully if you're like up in the Northeast and it's already cold and you don't like it, that gives you a little bit of sense of like, peace and calm. Um, but so it's time for our monthly Q and a session. Albeit, I realized it was, uh, September monthly Q and a when I recorded it, but October when it published it. (laughs) So, oh, well, um, but I'm excited to dive into these because I know how common they are, especially in the early months and beginning stages of homeschooling, which I know many of us are in this fall. And so if you, if you did not have a chance to check out the show notes, um, I'll give you just a quick overview of where we're going. So questions on balancing homeschooling with other commitments, which we've touched on a little bit, but this is, you know, a 30,000 foot view. How can I handle teaching subjects I'm not familiar with? How do I know what I'm doing? How do I know if what I'm doing is going to be helpful later on, right? So we talk a little bit about like success in college and high school, if they want to go back and then what to do when they refuse to do work in those early elementary ages, you're just getting started. So, all right. First question, how can I balance homeschooling with other family commitments and work? Well, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because like many of you, you know that I'm balancing homeschooling with running my own business and managing family life and teaching at the university and the church stuff. And it's not always easy. It's definitely doable. Um, I've even just in the last couple of weeks realized like that my rhythms need to be much more sustainable that I can't just go, go, go in the sense of like 
my schedule, for example, when I was doing my doctorate was every evening after Josiah, my oldest, went to bed, I was still pregnant with Levi. Um, you know, I'd be downstairs in my office and doing work, but my days were working my full-time corporate job. And so Josiah was in school, he was in daycare. Um, we weren't traveling because of COVID restrictions still. And I, I really took for granted, like how mentally freeing my days were, which I know sounds odd to, to people that are not homeschooling or with their kids all day, but like, I really truly underestimated like the mental load and just like, I mean, just what happens to you, (laughs) how fried you get mentally, just making a thousand decisions a minute, being home with the kids compared to my corporate life where like, yes, I was in meetings a lot of times during the day. And I was like, you know, working my computer and spreadsheets. And like, I was, I was there for eight hours, but like, I wasn't, didn't have little people around me and I wasn't doing all the things and on the go. And it was just, it was really radically different. My focus in the evenings and my ability to like plug plug on until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. And, you know, and then even after Levi was born is when I was finishing up my like defense preparations and, and all those things. And I had like four week chunks where like, I just, I had to, and I was still getting up to feed Levi and then going back downstairs to write and, and polish up presentation and defense notes and all of this stuff. And so our approach, my husband and I, when we were talking about like, well, we're going to pull Levi out of daycare because financially, like we're strapped while we get this, this business going and we're just down to one income. And, you know, like I, we'll just go back to the routine we did when I was doing my doctorate and, you know, Aaron stepped up in in so many ways. And I shouldn't even say stepped up because he, he does more than I do around the house and stuff, but like, you know, he would take them to his mom's house on Saturday when we were up in Massachusetts and, you know, give me the day to work and all these things. And so he's doing that now. But after like four weeks of that, y'all, like I was completely spent. I'm like, this actually isn't sustainable because my mental load and my exhaustion are, are just so wildly different now that I have the boys home. And when Levi's napping, I'm doing schoolwork. And when we're not doing schoolwork, I'm trying to pick up around the house. And like, it was just very, very different than when I was doing like the singular corporate focus. And so I have had to pull back and realize like, what, what does sustainability mean to me? And what is this going to look like? So all, all of that background (laughs) to say, like, here's some of my hot tips. And first one is time management is key. And I know it sounds close so cliche, but truly like time has to be your friend and on your side. So I would say like setting clear boundaries for work and school hours. Um, consistency here is crucial because planning your work tasks during dedicated work hours and your homeschooling during focused teaching time, like you'll be amazed at what you can achieve when you're very intentional with your schedule. And so whether you call it like simple time blocking, or you do more of like what I do as part of the coaching program that I'm in for perfectionists, like, which is, we call it power planning with blocks for like clean rests and then tasks that include buffer time. Like you have to know yourself and be disciplined and trust yourself enough to get it down and to be accountable. And it's just taking those steps of imperfect action to get there. If you're not already familiar with yourself and and self-aware in that process to know what's going to work for you, like Will you put something on your calendar knowing that you're probably not going to do it? 
whether it's because you don't want to do that particular task or thing, or you, you know, you hate the, the prepping part of, you know, this particular curriculum, or you're trying to squeeze something in after the kids go to bed and you know, you're usually always burnt out and haven't had a chance to eat yet. And so you got to take 45 minutes to do that, right? Like whatever thing it might be, you've, you've got to start putting practical, imperfect, actionable steps into place now. I don't know if I read that back, if that actually makes sense. Practical, Im, what did I say? Practical, imperfect. Yeah, you know where I'm going. <laughs> um, okay, and then the second one is leverage flexibility. So this is just remembering that one of the beauties of homeschooling is flexibility, like I just talked about in my own story. Like if a work call or a family commitment pops up during your designated school hours, like don't sweat it, just adapt your schedule. Your child can learn in the afternoon or evening just as effectively. And if you've been listening in order with these and you've already listened to the episode where we've touched on this and talked about the consistency factor and flexibility and how they're oxymorons, but they go hand in hand because when you do have something consistent, it's easier just to be flexible and pop in and out of it and still have the same expectations for for our kids and communicate it in the same ways, right? So allow yourself that freedom and flexibility and then involve your child in the work and communicate it. You know, depending on your child's age, like involving them in your work in age appropriate ways is just so fun and can be such a great learning experience. You know, they might enjoy simple tasks and you can use this as an opportunity to teach real world skills. Like you're, you're just doubling down on that. You know, either way, a shift in routine or introducing something new, I think, can always be communicated to them to avoid those unnecessary struggles. Like they want to know what's going on. They're naturally routine minded. So if you include them in that, they're going to be more apt to follow along. Um, delegate and seek support, right? Like don't hesitate to delegate those tasks within your family and seek support from your spouse or partner or family and friends nearby. Like you've got to remember it's a team effort for sure. Um, you know, communicating the needs and sharing responsibilities is really just what it comes down to. Like I, I didn't put a lot of notes on these. Um, and I'm already kind of like kicking myself as I respond. I'm like, well, are these really helpful? Like this is kind of, to me, it's like, it's yes, it's common sense. And so I, I naturally want to beat myself up for like not having something like, you know, aha, like this big, you know, perfect framework. But like the whole point is that we know what we should be doing, or we know the things to do, but sometimes it's just hearing them in the right context or hearing somebody else testimony or routine or like what they do with their story and stuff. Like you just, you got to put it together in the right way. Um, because I think we have a, like, we have a very busy house and my husband and I run through our evening calendars, like at the start of every week and then negotiate for lack of a better word, like regularly. And this works for us because we're both very laid back and we're pretty well oiled machines at this stage. But like, I know of other families that do like sit down meetings and they find they need to start like saying no more often and reaching out for babysitters more. And so whatever it is for your family, like, again, this is like, oh, it's, it sounds so simple. Like that's common sense. But then you go like, oh, well, maybe one of my struggles with all of this balance is because like, we're not actually doing that. We think we are, but we're not doing it consistently enough. Right. And then of course, 
self-care is non-negotiable. And I can't stress this enough. Like you've got to prioritize your well-being. You know, a burnt out parent teacher is not beneficial for anyone. You've got to find time for yourself, whether it's like a quick workout, a meditation, like just a quiet cup of coffee. Like if you've turned, if you've tuned into episodes before, again, like, you know, I'm not into the self-love, like you are enough craze. So I'm not talking about like pedicures every month or anything like that. Like if bubble baths are your thing, like cool, but self-care does not have to be glamorized. Like mine is purposely planning a bit longer on two other nights of work so that I can have Friday evenings with my husband watching WWE SmackDown. Like that's it. That's my self-care is <laughs> in all this chaos. I get one night a week where like, I'm literally not thinking about schooling, work, teaching, any of those things. And I just get to sit with him and eat popcorn and watch this mindless wrestling thing that we both love and that we share together, right? Like, it's not like, oh, I need to get out of the house and do something big for myself. Like if you can, and those things are great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm looking at my toes and they're awful. Like I need to get in and I have a gift card to use still, but like, that's not the kind of self-care that's really going to on a consistent basis, like help you balance all of these things that the heart of this question is getting to, right? So balancing homeschooling, family life, work, like all the things, it's a constant juggling act. We know that, but it's also incredibly rewarding. So just remember, I think that there's no one size fits all solution. What works for one family may not work for another. Continue to stay adaptable, stay patient, and remember that you're doing an amazing job. The fact that you're even plugging into some of these resources, asking the questions says and speaks volumes. So find like-minded people around you to help lift you up and not condemn you when you take two days to respond to a text or forget entirely. Like it's all work, but it's worth it, right? Okay. So I already can feel myself going longer than (laughs) I want to. So question two, our next question is how can I handle teaching subjects that I am not familiar with? Well, that is definitely intimidating, right? And this probably pertains more so, I think, to those older elementary ages where, like, it's hard to break down things we already know into, like, pedagogical steps or simply, like, we have no clue the approach the curriculum is taking. But the truth is that you don't have to be an expert to teach effectively. It's it's the God-honest truth. So what do, so what do we do? I've got a couple bullet points. Um, leverage online resources. So The internet is your friend on quick things. This is like my underline on my like little scratch notes. There are countless online resources, tutorials, courses, all the things, right? They can help you get up to speed on like virtually any subject. There's like Khan Academy, Coursera, obviously YouTube, like they have a wealth of educational content, but I preface this because they're good for like quick double checking items, in my opinion. Like the overwhelm that homeschool parents can face, especially those with a lot of uh, mental load already, is that rabbit hole of online searching and procrastinate learning. It's like you you're you think you're doing productive work, you're learning new things, right? But you're really procrastinating on what you actually need to be doing and and making that effective. So we call it procrastinate learning. And we tend to dive into these places before even understanding the author's authoritative position and or like educational philosophy first. And obviously, you know, my stance on that, like understanding how you are approaching homeschooling 
or understanding rather how your curriculum is approaching homeschooling and how they're tackling math, for example, like is it memory master, spiral, immersive hands-on, like that's important to know before seeking help because you want to understand how it fits back into the bigger picture and the full scope and sequence, right? So you can't just do a quick Google and find a little resource to plug in. I mean, you can for the quick things, but don't rely on it for like these these broader sweeps before making sure that it aligns with your educational philosophy and your approach to homeschooling, right? And so before that online searching, definitely consider using a curriculum that provides very thorough support materials, including lesson plans and guides. Because many homeschooling curriculum are designed to make teaching even complex subjects very manageable for parents. Like the scripts take a lot of the guesswork out. And and right now we're in we're in Saxon Math 1 and all about reading 1. And I enjoy having the script and guide and then customizing it from there because for me I don't like I don't have the mental capacity to create anything, right? Nor do I actually have to like sit there and fully read the whole thing, but like I have this fallback. And that for me is exactly what I need. It's like that that um fail fail safe, fail proof. Safe safe fail. What you know what I'm do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like it's that it's that fallback. It's that safety net when like maybe you're feeling extra creative and you want to add on you know, some manipulatives or you want to do like the whole suggested thing for the day. Otherwise, like I just know that it's there for me to scroll through and decide what I want to do with it for the day when I have that script. And then learn alongside your child. Like this is an excellent opportunity for both you and your child to learn together. Like you get to embrace the journey of discovery. When your child sees you learning alongside of them, it's setting a powerful example that I think we often take for granted. And in CC, in classical conversations, like we call the parents the lead learners because we're basically reclaiming our education right beside our students. Like content matters, yes, but more so is the approach and the willingness to lean in, to be patient, to be present and so on with our children, right? But also like don't hesitate to reach out to the experts or tutors if needed. And many communities have tutors who can provide one-on-one instruction in specific subjects, like you're not alone on that journey, just take it one step at a time and sort of follow like, I guess that was a little bit of like a prescription, right? Like Rome wasn't built in a day. Like I keep seeing a meme or a text or something about this. Like, I think I'm too old and out of the loop now, (laughs) but like break down complex subjects into smaller manageable chunks and then just focus on building a foundation before diving into the advanced topics. Like it's going to come. You'll both find your groove if you're showing up again consistently. And teaching unfamiliar subjects is a challenge that everyone's going to face in homeschooling. Like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. I mean, I have an, an MBA and a doctorate of education. And there's times where like, I catch myself with like, wait, okay, present participle, infinitive, like, wait, uh, okay, how do these things tie together? It's like, because we've now gotten to the point where we can use them effectively, but if you're not teaching them regularly, you're going to lose, or you've already lost rather, like the, the verbiage for it and the prescriptions and the pedagogical approach to the material, 
So we need it. Like it's an opportunity for growth and learning. Like bottom line is your commitment to your child's education, again, already speaks volumes just in asking the question. So feel good and rest in that and just take those tips. All right. Question three was, this one came through on Instagram. Um, how do we know if what we're doing now will set up our children for success in high school or college? And I like thinking about this because obviously we all daydream and thinking about the future can be overwhelming, but it's obviously important and exciting. But I think I like, I long to keep them little like this, but then I also love to daydream about working with them when they're older. But so anyways, I I break this down into practical steps and things to consider. And then like the softer, more emotional mindset matters. Like, so the practical is you just got to start by understanding your state's homeschooling requirements. Like there's really nothing else to it in my, in my opinion right now than that. Like different states have different regulations and it's essential that you've got to comply with them to ensure your child's education is actually recognized and that you're setting them up for success, whether they continue homeschooling with you or they're going into high school in a traditional way, you know, things like transcript and record keeping are helpful. Like I suggest maintaining some type of detailed records of your child's homeschooling journey. You know, you can create transcripts that outline coursework, grades, achievements, like any of those things are going to be essential for college applications. You know, you can grab one on Etsy or like teachers pay teachers for a couple bucks. You can create your own Google doc. You can even just do like a quarterly paper summary like me, like, I mean, whatever works. Um, But you might also want to consider exploring dual enrollment programs if your child is interested Um, those programs really allow high school students to take college courses and then you get to earn both high school and college credit. And, you know, the high school years focus on a curriculum that aligns with those college entrance requirements, if that's your desire. Right. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's just, there's so much social, emotional work and mindset things to begin cultivating. Now, I think like that's really the biggest thing for me because the practical things like you get yourself in a Facebook group for your age and your county and your state and you, and you get involved in all that. You'll find all the practical things really well. But like my pri- my primary focus is a growth mindset. So encourage a growth mindset by educating yourself on the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And then we'll have a new masterclass on this soon, but like the focus is to teach your child that their abilities and intelligence can actually be developed through dedication and hard work. Like it's emphasizing the value of effort and perseverance. And we can foster that independence and responsibility early on. Like high school and college require self-discipline and time management, right? Encourage your child to take ownership of their learning and responsibilities. I mean, I can't tell you enough. I'm teaching second and third year college students right now for social media marketing and email marketing and the types of questions I get just continue to blow my mind. And I know some of these kids are, these are really young adults. Some of them are already like 20 um, or what we call like the COVID kids, right? So they had to unfortunately go through their last couple of years of high school, like these last formative years um, in isolation. And, but like the practice is just, it's missing taking that ownership, you know, oh my MacBook got stolen out of my car. So it was really hard to do my work on my phone. 
And I didn't tell you until now, until when it was due, but I need some extra time. And like the response is like, well, no, I mean, you, you go, you, you go to a campus that has, is highly connected, right? So you, you go to the library and you plug into the computer, even if it's super late at night and you get it done, right? Like, but they have to learn those things. They, how do I want to say this? Like you, those self-disciplined time management things aren't cultivated overnight, right? They come from years of responsibility and opportunity to hone in on that craft, to practice that skill. And that's where I feel like, especially with maybe the COVID years or just some of the, like the traditional school, high school years, like it's just, it's not afforded to them. Like the accessibility of the internet and like these quick response uh, opportunities is just creating this bubble where like, I think they've lost for some of them, right. I'm not broadly sweeping, but like they've lost the means to just take that full ownership. So fostering that independence and responsibility now early on is helpful. Sorry. See the problem with also recording this from my car and like having this beautiful view is like the the people that are walking by that are like trying to wave and you're trying not to be like the jerk. That's just like moving their lips a mile a minute and like looking down and not like being cordial, but also like, I, (laughs) hello, I cannot be distracted and say hi to everyone while I'm also trying (laughs) to focus. Um, welcome to all of our, our worlds multitasking, right? Um, okay. So I also think like thinking about long-term high school, college stuff, like prioritizing critical thinking and cultivating an environment that like seeks for the kid to ask questions constantly and just apply their own hypotheses and assessments to those questions. Like if you help your child develop problem solving skills, like real problem solving skills and analyze information critically and not always want to provide the answer or teach them or tell them something like is so valuable. And you get to reclaim this for yourself in the process as you help get, get them prepared. Um, you can also teach effective communication, you know, high school and college involves presentations and discussions and written assignments. So Ensure your child can express themselves clearly and confidently and do not wait on this. It's one of my favorite parts about our community days with our co-ops with the younger children because they have to do weekly presentations. And I'm always telling them that I wish it was something that was fostered more when I was young and in school so that I didn't have to wait until college for a public speaking class to like finally figure out some of those things. And then thankfully I was you know, afforded a career in sales management and training and business development where I was constantly having to craft that in front of people, you know, hundreds of people on a stage and and just get comfortable with speaking and presenting what I know and memorizing it and working through those things. But like you will give them such a gift by doing that. And you'll be amazed how much they, in the younger years, like they can memorize and how that helps with just effective communication in general. And so just a final thought on mindset issues. Like I know there could be a dozen more, but it's just cultivating resilience. Like let your child face those challenges and setbacks, teach them that failures are opportunities to learn and grow, right? Our kids going back to what I just said, like we have access to 
so many things at a rapid pace that it can be difficult to find those opportunities, but like set them in athletics and with challenging curriculum and long-term goals to help build resiliency, like make those plans now because resilience is a very valuable trait in higher education. Um, and you know, I just go back to that story about my, my students now, because you just, if, if you don't have the opportunities to build resilience before you get to college, or even if you're in like a trade program or on, you know, a job for the first time at 22, 23, like you don't want that to be the first time they have to figure it out. Right. Okay. And then the last question is dealing with those reluctant elementary students. So, um, I know this hits close to home for many of us. And I know I've mentioned, I, I really truly wanted to have this episode like a month earlier, the one on, um, overcoming these like refusal to do work questions. And I I still promise that Dr. Katie Scott and I are going to do a deep dive on it. Um, which just, there's some family difficulties and scheduling things. And you always have to put those things first, but you know, what do you do when your elementary student is refusing to do schoolwork or pretends not to know things that they've already demonstrated knowledge of elsewhere? It's like the classic, you know, I don't want to do schoolwork scenario. It's frustrating but it's also a phase that many kids go through. So just let yourself feel that now, let your shoulders relax. Like we will navigate it, you know, together more fully, but I just want to give you some things to think about now. So empathy and patience. Um, I'm like preaching to myself, right? Start with empathy and patience. Understand that this behavior is often a way for your child to express frustration and seek attention. And take a deep breath first. And gosh, it's easier said than done. I'm in the exact same boat. Like, I often recognize my frustrations aren't always fair. Um, and I've got to allow space for extra communication and let go of my need for control. I think is like just the really, it's the heart of that matter when it comes to like, well, I'm getting mad now because they don't want to do work. And so I'm going to be in control and try to force that hand now. Um, And it's, it sometimes feels impossible for me to take that breath and step away, but you've, you've got to do that because you've got to discover the root cause, right? So talk to your child to understand why they're resisting schoolwork. And you can't do this in the moment, in the heat, and then the frustration of, of their resistance, right? Like, are they finding it too challenging? Is it too easy? Is it just plain boring? Like when we address the root cause, it's going to be easier to understand what to do next, right? But it's it's also easier to do this when they are in a calm place, like outside of the time that you normally do schoolwork. Like I think about when I was working and a manager would check in with me every so often, like I haven't done that with Josiah at all since we started and I need to. Like just think of how empowering the simple question of like, what are you loving? What are you not liking? Like how, how great and empowering is that for our kids? Like, I feel like how nice it was when my manager would just do that, would just take the time outside of a meeting or a regularly scheduled call. Even if it was just a simple text to be like, all right, how's it going? How are you feeling? What's working? What's not like, just give me the quick four one one. Like we should be doing the same thing with our kids. And then we can also offer choices, right? Give your child some agency by offering choices within the curriculum. You know, do you want to start with math or science today? Like just that simple question and choice can help them feel more in control 
It's a prudent release of resistance in our home. Anytime I give Josiah that choice. And he now like will ask politely, like, hey, can we start with math today? Like he he's learning himself that, you know, the hard stuff he wants to wait till later on certain days. And then other days he's like, no, I want to get the reading out of the way now so I can just enjoy the math and then the read aloud. And it's like, great. Like you are learning yourself. So we're going to give you that, that agency and ability to do that and then make it fun. You know, it goes without saying, but incorporate games and hands-on activities and field trips, you know, where feasible. Like I naturally resist most crafts and quote unquote, like extras because it's just not like in my DNA, but I've come to learn like which subject areas Josiah thrives in when I add those and the struggles and the fights almost completely stop. It's like a mental block he has to get past and believing in himself at this age, like comes from the distraction of those activities, right? Like learning should be enjoyable, not just a chore. So be creative where you can make it fun, know yourself, and then just always that consistency and routine. Children thrive on structure. Knowing what to expect is going to reduce that resistance, over communicate it, you know, as much as possible, because as annoying and difficult as it is to always be like five to 10 steps ahead of them, it really is effective. Like dealing with a reluctant elementary age student is, it's just, it comes with the territory. You're not alone. It's every, everybody has dealt with it at some point, even if they don't want to admit it or they've purposely forgotten it. Right. But like everything else in parenting, like it's a phase and with empathy and patience and just creative teaching methods, like you can absolutely help your child rediscover the joy of learning. You don't have to default and say like, I'm just going to put them back in school. Like we, we can do this together. We're going to keep working on it together. I promise. See, and I'd said I would see dolphins and just as I'm ready to close, there's two like literally right in front of me. Um, so that's super cool. Oh, that's really fun. Like it never gets old. Um, okay. So that's it for the month. Thank you guys for the fantastic questions. They fit in well, I think with like just beginning the average school year, keep them coming. Uh, we'll keep providing answers and support. Remember homeschooling is an awesome journey filled with ups and downs, but you're never in it alone. So until next time. If this is resonating with you and you want to be free of the uncertainty and the overwhelm, then hop on over to thisismygeneration.com and explore the options for the Harvest program and download one of our free eBooks. I'm so excited to help parents get out of their head and get in sync with their homeschool vision and plans. Our four-step process of sowing seeds of clarity, reaping the fruits of alignment, staying rooted in empowerment, and thriving in community include all the concrete ways to overcome the common mindset challenges homeschool parents face and move you into a growth mindset that will trade the uncertainty and overwhelm for calm confidence. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast and follow us on Instagram at underscore thisismygeneration.